Welcome back to the Gold Factor Podcast, your guide and gateway to a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Bernadette Gold, transformation and high performance coach, here to lead you through another chapter of my audiobook, The Crooked Path to a Charm Life, a clairvoyant medium's journey to embracing her spiritual gifts. Now, remember, each episode of season one is a new chapter in the book as we traverse the realms of the seen and the unseen. So let's dive in and continue our adventure together. It's time to think bigger, feel deeply, and act boldly. Chapter 29, Continuing the Journey. We never stop growing or learning. But of course, as we grow, what we desire to create in our lives changes too. In 2016, after getting through colon cancer, I decided to move, leaving my home in Colorado, which I spent 17 years building, was a huge but necessary decision. Hawaii has a strong pull for me. I thought I could move there and build a new life. But while Kauai is a place of sanctuary and restoration for me, the universe had other plans. Brindy had moved to Seattle with her husband and my granddaughter. I wanted to have the ability to reach more people with my work. Missing my granddaughter and daughter, I decided to relocate. I had said that I would never move back to Washington after the traumas experienced there. But more than 20 years later, signs and synchronicities led me back. In November 2016, Bella and I drove to Seattle to check it out and visit the girls, celebrating their belated birthdays. I tried to have an open mind, even though I felt resistant. During our visit, I met a lot of people that were open to my work. The ability to reach the masses from Washington became clear. So I ditched our plans to move to Kauai and set a target for Washington making everyone in the family happy. Before my 50th birthday, I declared to the universe that I would have a buyer for the Colorado house by my birthday. The week of my birthday, I flew to Washington to celebrate with my foster daughter and Brindy. After arriving, I received a call from a young Colorado couple that was interested in my house. My girls planned a special dinner at Ivers in Seattle, and a comedy show. Just as we were heading out to celebrate, the young couple called, wanting to negotiate a deal. I explained I was on my way to celebrate and told them we would figure something out when I returned home. It was a special 50th birthday celebration. Arriving home five days before Christmas, I met with the young couple to sign a lease purchase agreement. During the negotiations, the couple was more than willing to provide a generous, non-refundable deposit towards purchasing the house. Since I was carrying the loan for two years, I wanted them highly invested in the deal. They wanted to move in very quickly, which only gave us a few weeks to pack the house, find a rental in Washington, and move out. Thankfully, my dad and I work well under pressure, 
It only took a few days to find and secure the perfect rental in Washington. After that, things were quickly falling into place. On January 6, 2017, we left Colorado, bound for Washington, in decent road and weather conditions. We made it to Moab, Utah, late that night, just as the weather began to turn. Leaving Moab at first light on January 7th, we had no idea what we were about to drive into. As we slowly made our way into Idaho, we stopped at a Love's truck stop just over the state line. Road conditions and visibility were getting poor. We overheard some truckers heading to Washington saying they closed the highway between Oregon and Washington due to ice and snowpack. The weather reports said the ice storm impacting Idaho was the worst in 50 years. Truckers said we shouldn't risk trying to continue and to find a place to stay. We decided to find the closest motel in a small town called Burley to sit out the storm. It was nine degrees Fahrenheit with blowing sleet. We passed several wrecks on our way to Burley. The worst one involved a horse trailer. The two horses were out of the trailer and looked all right, except for the cold. When we checked into the hotel, we were told our dog was not allowed. Service animals were allowed, but Furby was only an ESA. We had to hustle to find somewhere else to stay. Luckily, there was a motel just down the street. Exhausted and road-worn, we rented a room, grabbed dinner, and prayed for a break in the weather. I did everything I could to keep our stress down and spirits high. Dad was stressed since he was driving the big U-Haul towing his car on a trailer. We woke up early and headed for Highway 84, hoping to get closer to our destination. Unfortunately, when we reached the highway, the high winds were making it impossible to see. It took us five hours to drive 165 miles from Burley to Boise. Playing it safe, we decided to get off the highway after passing several jackknife semi-trucks before the weather got any worse. Somehow, we kept our sense of humor intact and went with the flow. We were supposed to meet the property manager in Washington on the 10th to get our keys, but that wouldn't happen. Thankfully, the manager was understanding of the situation. Anytime I got worried about running over budget, I flipped my thoughts into gratitude. We were lucky that we made it to a motel safely and without incident, despite the iced over roads. The following day, we checked the road reports before loading our bags into the truck and car, finding out that Highway 84 was closed just north of our location. We couldn't cross into Oregon the way we mapped it, so we detoured west onto Highway 20, a less traveled pass. We didn't know a chain requirement was put in place until after we were well on our way. Burns, Oregon is at 4,142 feet elevation. 
That didn't seem high, considering we were moving from an elevation of 6,500 feet. However, it is regarded as a high elevation, and the roads were a mess. Trucks were sliding and stuck as we passed them, climbing small hills. We were mostly alone on the trip from Idaho to Bend. The snow got worse as we got closer to Bend. Although it took close to 12 hours, we made it to Bend in one day. It was hard to navigate the moving truck and trailer with the amount of snow Ben had received. I called several hotels to find one we could pull in and park without getting stuck. The motel was accommodating, allowing us to wedge the truck and trailer next to a substantial seven-foot pile of plowed snow. Thankfully, there was a restaurant on the other side of the parking lot within walking distance from our room. We were tired of driving, hungry and stressed. Checking the road conditions as we ate, the news was bleak. We were snowed in for the next two days, and chains were required to get from Bend to Portland. The doors on my forerunner froze shut from the cold. Dad was tired from all the driving and delays. He accidentally locked the keys in the ignition of the U-Haul when he left it running to keep the battery charged. I could see his frustration and embarrassment. Quickly calling a tow truck for a lockout service, I tried to get him to let it go. The trip had turned into a stressful journey with unexpected expenses at every turn. We had to buy three sets of snow chains to continue the drive. Without all the tools I've acquired throughout the years, I'm sure things would have been far worse. Dad had grown quite a bit in the years since moving in with me. He was agitated, but he was handling it like a trooper at 75 years old. Bella didn't have a choice. She went along for the ride and was excited to get to our new home. At first light on January 11th, we chained up the vehicles and headed for the mountain pass over Mount Hood. We were the only cars on the road for most of the trip. It wasn't snowing, but the snowpack was deep. On top of the pass, before heading down to Gresham, I heard a loud, horrible rumbling sound. It sounded like my wheel well had ripped open. I signaled Dad to pull over so we could figure out what was going on. Ice was packed so deep in the wheel wells of my forerunner that the chains and ice had torn part of the rear quarter panel and mud flaps. We quickly cut the mud flaps off and removed the broken panel, chipping as much of the built-up ice off as we could, then continued down the pass. Since Dad was driving the 26-foot U-Haul and car hauler, I followed behind him in case he got into trouble. An hour outside of Gresham, a rear tire from the car hauler blew, coming off the rim. With no cell service and on the deserted pass, I got through to 911 and explained our dilemma. The 911 operator connected us to U-Haul roadside assistance. It was dusk 
and getting extremely cold. U-Haul promised a tow truck would be there within an hour. Three hours passed with no tow truck in sight. We were getting worried and cold, using the car heaters off and on to stay warm. We were quickly running out of fuel. Finally, at 7 p.m., I called 911 again and asked if they would patch me through to U-Haul again. U-Haul apologized for the delay, but didn't know what happened to the tow truck. I told them it was dark, temperatures were dropping, and we weren't waiting anymore. I asked for their blessing to drive down the pass on the rim. Without any other option, they agreed that we needed to get off the pass for our safety. We drove five miles per hour for 60 miles on a rim to Gresham, where U-Haul paid for a hotel room. In the morning, we were instructed to go to the nearest dealer to trade the trailer. January 12th, six days after this planned three-day trip had begun, we sat in the parking lot at U-Haul as they shoveled a car hauler out of the snow to get us back on the road. All we could do was take pictures of the debacle and laugh. Thankfully, we were only 175 miles from our new home. Portland and southern Washington were struggling with ice on the freeways and bridges. Chains were required until we entered Vancouver, Washington. You have no idea how happy I was to get the chains off the forerunner and moving truck. Our nerves were completely shot, but we were on the home stretch. We stocked up on junk food, filled the gas tanks, and headed to King County, Washington. As tired as we were, our excitement grew as we got closer. Movers were scheduled to unload the U-Haul on the 10th. I kept in contact with them the entire trip. It was a new company, so they were flexible and understanding. They met us at our new house around 5 p.m., unloading the truck in the dark. We had to return the U-Haul the next day. Brindy, Addie, and Nick met us at the house with candy, wine, and flowers, the perfect housewarming gift. While things were super stressful, unexpected, and chaotic, with circumstances beyond our control, everything worked out in the end. If I had let myself get upset or angry, things would have been so much worse during that trip. So many things changed in the first few months we were there. Bella got to take ice skating lessons, something she had longed for since she was nine years old. She also got to take English writing lessons at a stable nearby. For the first time in her life, we lived near all sorts of activities. In Colorado, everything was 45 minutes away. When I say everything, I mean the town of Durango, Walmart, the seasonal ice rink, and the park. Seattle, Tacoma, mountains, and malls were all within 45 minutes now. The best part of moving was that my family was back together and my granddaughter was close. With the ability to upload videos and do live streams, my following multiplied. Charm Life was in its fourth year online, 
and more students were transforming their lives. Everything was going great. But I began to have a growing concern about the couple leasing the Colorado house. They started calling me weekly with odd issues. At first, I thought it was just them getting acquainted with the property. However, problems progressed from burning fire in the wood stove using Duraflame logs instead of firewood to the disposal not working and finally flooding the laundry room, causing significant damage to the family room below. One of my friends who knew a relative of theirs went over to straighten things out. He told me they were fixing it all, calming down my concerns. He said they were young and learning. I trusted him and let it go until the neighbors across the street called with concerns. Rent for August was late, and September was nothing but excuses. By the end of September, I had to go back to Colorado and evict them for defaulting on the agreement. Brindy, Nick, and I walked into a shocking scene. In nine months, this family destroyed the carpets, put holes in the walls, pulled doors off hinges, and left piles of trash. When I handed the house over to them, I deep cleaned it and replaced the blinds with new ones. Unfortunately, there were no mini blinds intact as I walked through the mess. I was in tears. We had planned on spending the night there, expecting a little cleanup, but nothing on the scale it was going to take to get the house in order and up for sale. So rather than freaking out, I booked us a room at the Casino Hotel, 15 minutes away. Skyu Casino was a favorite place for Dad and me to blow off steam and have some fun. After we checked in, we headed down to the restaurant for dinner. I said a little prayer and asked the universe to give me the money to cover the unexpected hotel stay and repairs for the house. When we finished our meal, and I walked over to one of my favorite machines, put less than $20 in, and won $360. Once again, the universe delivered. Brindy knew I was able to manifest winning, but Nick couldn't believe it. I cashed the winnings, and we went to our room in a good mood despite the start of the night. Properties and homes imprint the energy of those who live there. As a conscious creator, I set the intention for the property in love, peace, and serenity. Bella was born on that property, the placenta buried in the northwest corner of the pasture. During my final battle with leukemia, Shasta was put down due to neck cancer, and she was buried on the property. Returning to the house and feeling the change in the energy was hard emotionally. I couldn't allow myself to get attached to the home or be reactive about the damage. We had several days of cleanup and repairs ahead of us. Thankfully, Nick is a hard worker, skilled at cleaning and painting. Both he and Brindy jumped right into the tasks at hand. Within four days, we put the house back in order and on the market as a for sale by owner. Exhausted but not defeated, 
we drove straight through the 20-hour drive home. Trying to sell the house on my own wasn't working from several states away. Although a couple of friends were willing to show the house, potential buyers were impatient. I signed with the realtor. I was hoping it would sell quickly. Months passed, and her inexperience, lack mentality, and attitude began to wear on me. Sure, the house wasn't as excellent shape as when we lived there, but it was a bargain. Trying to keep up with the mortgage for that house and the rent in Washington was overwhelming. By January, I'd use most of my savings to keep up. For the first time in years, I wasn't able to pay all the bills on time. I had to stop making the mortgage payments and keep the faith that the universe would deliver a buyer. Spring came and went with no solid buyers. One deal fell through at the last minute because of the buyer's credit. I received the notice of foreclosure proceedings, which weighed heavily on me. If I lost the house, I would have no choice but to file bankruptcy, an option I could barely digest. After speaking to a bankruptcy lawyer, I got all the paperwork ready, but didn't feel right about giving up. I prayed for a solution and some divine help to sell the house before it was foreclosed. Spirit led me to a short sale expert, Leah, that was very friendly and optimistic. Her confidence and energy gave me a boost. I fired the first realtor and listed with her. Within two weeks, she had an offer on the house. July quickly came to an end, and with it, that deal fell through. However, Leah wasn't discouraged. She and a colleague, Andy, at another agency, were determined to sell it. Meanwhile, I meditated, wrote my intentions, and held gratitude that it was taken care of, even though the mortgage company called weekly. Leah had a short sell offer come in that would at least get the house out of foreclosure if the bank agreed. Short sales can take a year. Fortunately for us, the buyer was informed they only had a couple of months to leave their current home. Pressured, the buyer decided to offer full price. I accepted the offer, signed the paperwork, and returned it to the realtor. The following morning, Andy called and said she received another full price backup offer on the house. The backup offer came from a couple that was willing to wait. Things were finally working out. My faith was increasing. The first buyer backed out by the end of August, but the backup offer quickly proceeded forward. Everything lined up with this couple easily. The bank was set to auction the house off in November, but this deal would close by the end of September. Like clockwork, the house closed exactly one year after going back to Colorado to evict the young family. Both realtors pitched in money from their commissions to make the numbers work. In the end, I received $58 at closing. I was free from the mortgage debt. It took a couple of weeks to feel the weight of that burden 
release. Typically, I can manifest things quickly, but the energy wasn't supporting it. My astrological sign is Sagittarius, with Jupiter, the planet of expansion, as my ruler. Life was so stressful, I didn't even think to look at how the planetary aspects would affect the sale. Jupiter moved into Scorpio in October 2017, just after I took the house back. Jupiter in Scorpio isn't an easy placement. The Me Too movement made national headlines in October 2017, gaining global attention. Racial tensions, gun violence, and hate crimes were also spreading. I intuitively knew significant changes were taking place in 2018, but I didn't realize how much work would be involved individually to create breakthroughs. It took a year to clear the emotional weight of the house and release 18 years of experience tied to that property. Living in one place on one property for that many years changed me on deep levels. For the first time in my life, I had roots, a place to call home. In numerology, one plus eight equals nine, which represents completion and endings opening to new beginnings. I could have waited to move until 2018 and not had to endure the financial loss in hindsight. I don't, however, believe in coincidences or mistakes. There is no value in questioning the why of circumstances or events that played out. The lesson and reminder for the entire year were to remember there is a season for everything. Whether I like the harvest season over the planting or growing season isn't the point. To each experience is an appointed season, an appointed hour. Infinite intelligence makes no mistakes. Therefore, I cannot question the timing. Knowing that all things work for my highest good, even when they are challenging, allowed me to keep my faith as the months dragged on without a sale. It took great work to keep my ego in check as I opened notices and answered calls from the bank about my delinquent mortgage. I didn't run from it. I didn't avoid the communications. I faced it, holding my vision of a successful conclusion and sale. I was conflicted when I contemplated bankruptcy. How could I teach on manifesting when I was in this horrible position? I chose to be transparent about it with my classes and clients. Instead of pretending to have a perfect life with no challenges, I shared my struggle to overcome the mind chatter that would seek to steal my peace. Knowing the human side of my life helped others relate to their own internal battles. My ego tried many times to tell me what a failure I had become. Thoughts of unworthiness, irresponsibility, and stupidity bombarded me when I thought the house wouldn't sell. When I focused on the feeling of knowing it was sold, the negative, intrusive thoughts stopped. At one point, I noticed the bankruptcy paperwork on my filing cabinet. Spirit whispered, Decide, declare, command 
your financial experience. I didn't want to file bankruptcy or accept that I would have to. I took that paperwork, put it in a manila envelope, and filed it away. No, I vehemently declared. I'm not going to file bankruptcy. The universe always guides me and provides solutions. I know universal law, and I know what I can co-create. The house is sold. The mortgage is released, and so it is done. Looking back at my journals, I reminded myself of all the obstacles and challenges I've overcome in life. Abuse, trauma, racism, loss, crisis, and cancer didn't beat me. This wouldn't either. Remember who you are, Bernadette. Remember what you are, I wrote in my journal. Life is a vast collection of experiences, growth, challenge, and victories. We would not appreciate the blessings if it weren't for the challenges. Throughout the year of financial challenge, I kept control over my thoughts as much as possible. Because I didn't speak about the bankruptcy or accept it, I was able to avoid it. I have no issue with bankruptcy, as I certainly could have benefited from clearing credit card balances. It just didn't feel right for me. As soon as the loan closed, I burned the bankruptcy paperwork and thanked God for the 11th hour save. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Gold Factor Podcast. Want some free resources? Well, join my Facebook community, a group of heart-centered, ambitious individuals just like you. Just go and visit the link in the description, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups, the Gold Factor. And remember, if you're enjoying the book so far, follow the podcast leave a review. I really appreciate it as we're launching and growing the podcast and share it on social media. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Be blessed and be a blessing.